Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you? I pray that you are well. I'm happy to be with you always, always, always. And um, I'd like to conclude today an article that we began yesterday on the restoration of the family, how to preserve the Catholic family. To preserve the Catholic family, beloved, is to preserve Christianity. To preserve Christianity is to preserve civilization. Apart from the Catholic family, there is no civilization at all, uh, except what is uh, utterly, utterly evil, which is growing daily. And Father John Harden, in this article, says, what then is the solution? And the solution is to restore authentic Christianity, and you will restore family life. Um, He says, God in his mercy allows evil that greater good may come as a result of the evil. He's allowed contraception to plague the modern world so that we may repent and return to the Father's house. Um, Father Hardin says it's a warning to all of us, married and single laity and the clergy, bishops, priests, deacon and religious parents and children. Um, it, in a greater or less measure, he says, I'm skipping some things, it has been the infidelity of so many professed Catholics in every state of life which has contributed to the disappearance of the family in one's Christian cultures throughout the world. So, dear ones, if you think that the reason the church is in trouble is because it's giving in to the world, you're wrong. The world is giving in to the infidelity of the church and its prelates and its people. The church is salt of the world. It is the influencer of good and godly virtue and everything. And if the people of the church fail and the prelates of the church fail and the faithful fail, which we have in huge measure, then we have put a curse on the world. There's no other instrument God has founded to restore society. Um, It was not coincidental, Father Hardin says, but divinely ordained that when God became man, he became a member of a family. It was divinely ordained that the incarnate God made monogamy binding on all his married followers, one man with one woman, faithful to each other, in marital chastity until death. Dear ones, that is God's design. If you are a priest, if you are a bishop, uh, a cardinal, anyone, prelate, who is teaching that same-sex marriage, so-called, is uh, fine, and you have a blessing for it, you are of the devil, and you are cursing people and yourself to hell. 
it was divinely ordained that Christ should have instituted the vocation of celibacy, of consecrated chastity. Why? To show his married followers the power of divine grace in controlling the desires of the flesh. If priests who are celibate, if religion, if religious like me, like all religious, take a, a vow of chastity, uh, we have the same grace that married people have. And um, we must remain chaste. Married people must remain chaste. That is to remain with your spouse and no one else. No one else. And priests and religious uh, have no spouse but Christ. And that is not a physical relationship. God gives us the power by his grace for self-control and to redirect, reroute all our passions to the salvation of souls. It was not coincidental but divinely ordained that Christ's followers would master even their disorderly thoughts and sexually perverse desires. So far from taking back the Old Testament precept to increase and multiply, the Savior told his followers to let the children come unto me, for such belongs the kingdom of God. Indeed, we adults need children to become as little ones in humility and thus enter the kingdom of heaven. How then is Christianity the foundation of the family? It is the foundation of the family in teaching and providing grace for the practice of selfless love. Without love, the family either does not exist, or if it exists, it will be destroyed. That's exactly what's happening today. Even within marriage, beloved, if you use contraception, you are selfish. There's no selfless love in that. Intimacy within the marriage is to be life-giving love. If you close yourself off, man or woman, by contracepting, you are closing off love. It is simply a selfish pursuit, period. It is grave, grave sin. Um, I'm going to skip a number of things that we read yesterday. Um, let me just... Here is um, the contraceptive mentality, um, according to... Father John Harden, who's right on in his causes up for canonization. He says, in contradiction to the teaching of Christ, the contraceptive mentality sees nothing wrong in artificial birth control. Once Christianity was established in the Mediterranean world, the practice of contraception, along with abortion and infanticide, ceased among believing Christians. This, for the best of reasons, because from the first century of Christianity, already by the year 90 AD, contraception was denounced by the church as a grave sin against God. For the next 1,800 years, even among those separated from Rome, contraception was generally forbidden until the present century. Present century meaning the previous century when Father Hardin wrote this. Then two things happened. A chemical means of preventing conception was discovered, and the Protestant Church of England approved contraception for its members. And I will say this, that was the um, uh, Lamberth Council, and it approved 
contraception only within marriage and only when the mother's life was in danger. You see, but it opened the door to our being the master of our lives instead of God being in control of life and death. And from there, who draws the line? Given the tremendous influence of Anglican Protestantism on Anglo-Saxon Catholics, before long, many Catholics began to practice contraception. By 1968, the situation became so grave that Pope Paul VI issued in July of that year his historic encyclical, Humanae Vitae, condemning contraception. That wasn't new. It's always been condemned by God from the beginning. This was right after the close of the Second Vatican Council. Dissenters from the Church's teaching erroneously used the Council to support the idea of bishops being independent of the Pope. Can you, can you fathom that evil? When Human Vita, uh, Humanae Vitae was published, the bishops' conferences of most countries throughout the world met to vote on the binding character of Humanae Vitae. About half the bishops supported the Pope, while another half did not. Among the countries whose bishops left contraception open to the consciences of the people were the United States, Canada, France, and Germany. I tell you what, the bishops of today are doing the same and doing worse. Here's a title today by the um, Lepanto Institute, Michael Hitchborn. Today, U.S. Catholic bishops finance promoter of Planned Parenthood, masturbation, and LGBTQ pride. Our bishops are financing that. Um, The organization ABLE, A-B-L-E-N-H, recently received a 40,000, well, let me go back. A new report from the Lepanto Institute proves that the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops has given nearly 200,000 to an organization that actively promotes Planned Parenthood, graphic sex education programs for disabled people that promote contraception and masturbation and participates in homosexual pride events. It's more. They have a history um, of promoting ideologies that directly contradict Catholic moral teaching, and our bishops are donating to them. Um, um, oh, this is this is. I'm going to this is the last state sentence. I'm going to read. This is a horrible report. According to the Lepanto Institute's report, Abel and H assisted Planned Parenthood in the crafting a statement in crafting a statement on protecting access to sexual and reproductive health care and education to people with disabilities. It also promoted a Planned Parenthood event titled Sex and disability, which not only came with a mature content warning, but the presentation itself promoted prostitution to people with disabilities as a means of making some extra money. Beloved, the USCCB should be utterly disbanded. They are corrupt. They are promoting corruption all over the world. They are promoting contraception and every other evil. 
There is the music for our first break, beloved. Feel, feel, feel free to call in with anything on your heart. We'll be right back. Hello, beloved. This is Mother Miriam, host of Mother Miriam Live. Like the Catholic Current and the many other programs that originate from the Station of the Cross, Divine Mercy in My Soul is all about the messages that Jesus revealed to St. Faustina. It is aired every Sunday morning at 11 Eastern and Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Or you can listen anytime to Divine Mercy in My Soul on the iCatholic Radio mobile app. The Station of the Cross is listener-funded and we value your ongoing generosity. In this fast-paced world, it's easy to let your recurring donation slip due to something like a new address or a card number change. If you suspect that we might not have your up-to-date donor information, you can check with us during regular business hours at 1-877-888-6279, extension 104, or anytime online at thestationofthecross.com. Prayer of Deliverance. Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels, St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel, for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. Um, we're going to read a little further into Father John Harden's article um, on the uh, number one reason for the destruction of Christianity is the sin within the Catholic Church and its failure to convert society. And the greatest sin, the breakdown of the family, is due to contraception. Contraception says, I'm the master of my soul. I could care less what God wants. I want to plan my family. We want to save money. We don't want more than two children. All of that. It's diabolical. It has nothing to do with God. And it is the reason for the destruction of the family. Um. Uh, we just we just read. I'll reread the last sentence before I just read the Lepanto Institute's a news article for today that the USCCB has given uh, many thousands of dollars to uh, Able A B L E N H. They support contraception. They support prostitution. Uh, every kind of sex deviation. Uh, it, it's horrible. And 
through the Catholic uh, Development Organization, RUSCCB, is supporting them and other things all over the world. Um, and I, I would suggest, if you're a pastor, if you're a priest, that you no longer distribute any envelopes to give to the um, Campaign for Human Development through the USCCB because they are giving millions of dollars to people all over the world and teaching children uh, to use condoms. Um, and I suggest that as individuals, you don't give a penny to that campaign or to the USCCB for anything again, ever. Um, as I mentioned last week, uh, there's some kind of revival of the Eucharist, Eucharistic revival they've put together while um, advocating, um, giving the likes of public sinners uh, who claim to be Catholic, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and others, uh, that not refusing them communion. This is diabolical. It's against the Catholic teaching, and I suggest we have nothing to do with the USCCB. It should never have been established, and I say to any priest and bishop, they are no one's authority. They are not your authority. Your authority is the Holy Father. Um when Humanae Vitae was published, the bishops' conferences of most countries throughout the world met to vote on the binding character of Humanae Vitae. Shame on them. You don't vote on truth. About half the bishops supported the Pope, while another half did not, among the countries whose bishops left contraception open to the conscience of the people with the United States, Canada, France, and Germany. They're still doing it. I still hear from people who say, I've gone to my, my priest, to my bishop, and they've told me that it's up to my conscience. It is not up to your conscience. It is a grave, grave evil, and we are to obey our conscience. But if your conscience allows for such grave evil, your conscience is wrong, it needs to be informed, and it needs to be in line with the Catholic teaching. Otherwise, you are in grave sin. All of this, Father Hardin says, is part of the history of what we are calling the contraceptive mentality. The agents of evil were almost unanimous in their claims that the world is becoming overpopulated. What's that got to do with us? We're not the creator of life. The alleged underdeveloped countries must be kept from growing in numbers by contraception, sterilization, and abortion. That's the devil's plan. The only world representatives at Cairo to oppose this contraceptive homicidal plot was the Vatican. Listen to this. The only world representatives at Cairo to oppose this contraceptive homicidal plot plot was the Vatican and its efforts were successful. This in spite of the massive media opposition, all in favor of contraception and abortion. So Humanae Vitae has stayed to this day, um, but many people still ignore it. All that we have said so far, says Father John Harden, leads to a sobering conclusion the propagation of Christ's teaching in today's world is imperative as never before. Again, Father Hardin wrote this uh, the end of last century, and maybe 50 years ago, I don't know exactly, but it, every word of it is for us today. What am I saying, he asks. I am saying the day is gone when we can think of evangelization as something merely good. Oh, no. 
evangelization of the world, including our own American world, is a dire necessity. God is not mocked. When he became man, he did not leave us the pleasant option of either proclaiming his gospel or not. He said in the imperative mood, proclaim the gospel to all nations, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. With the spread of the contraception plague and its murderous consequences, we see something more evil taking place in our day than ever before. We see whole nations losing their grip on sound morality and even the rudiments of the natural law. Whole countries are going morally insane in their ethical thinking as seen in the irrational laws they make to bind their people contrary to the most elementary prescriptions of the living God. In the early church, Christianity was given a name that is all the more meaningful today. Christians, it was said, are the soul of the world. In Latin, Christiani sunt anima mundi, the soul of the world, so we are. And we had better wake up to our God-given responsibility. That is why God became man, as St. John tells us. He is the light of the world. He is the life of the world. He is the truth without whom the world is walking in darkness and the shadow of death. But Christ tells us that we are to bring his light to the world. We are to provide his life for the world. If we do, and in the same measure that we do, we shall restore stability and peaceful unity, not only to our families, but to our parishes and dioceses as well. Where a person stands on contraception is a good test of his authenticity as a Catholic. I cannot agree more. A million percent do I agree. We say the COVID vaccine right now, there's a pandemic all over the world of people dying from the vaccine who have taken it within the past couple of years. They're dying. Their bodies are being destroyed, particularly the reproductive organs in women. Babies are dying from poisoned breast milk. All of this, uh, they're being born... Uh, some of them as awful creatures. It's all from the COVID to eliminate the population. Well, beloved, that's Satan's plan, and he started with contraception. We are the ones that have eliminated millions of people on this earth through contraception. The reason, as we have seen, is that the root of the evil of contraception, the reason, as we have seen, is that at the root of the evil of contraception is selfishness. But the foundation of Christianity is the love of others out of love of God. I'm almost finished, he says, but not quite. All of us, young and old, bishops, priests, clerics, religious, and laity, have one basic obligation in life, to grow in the likeness of Christ by following his example of selfless charity. But selfless charity is impossible without the cross. Love and pain go together as condition and consequence. If I really love someone, including the unborn children that I can bring into the world, I am willing to pay the price of my love, which is pain. 
That is why over the years I have come to define paganism, Father Hardin says, as Christianity without a cross. Do you hear that? Father John Hardin defines paganism as Christianity without a cross. We are truly followers of Christ as genuine disciples of his gospel, as really in love with him, as we love the crosses he puts into our own lives, which generally have people's names. We begin this conference. He says we began this conference. And of course, this is one of Father Hardin's conferences being transcribed, titled How to Preserve the Catholic Family. We are now ready to give an answer. To preserve the Catholic family, those who profess to be Catholics must live selfless lives. Husbands and wives must exclude contraception from their marital relationship. If you're listening to this, beloved, and you say you disagree, you have the freedom to disagree. You have the freedom to choose hell. One is the, equals the other. You disagree with the teaching of the Catholic Church, you have chosen hell. Husbands and wives must exclude contraception from their marital relationship. They must see in every child that God wants to send them as a gift of his love. They must see themselves as preparing their children for the heaven well, there will be no longer any marriage or giving in marriage. They must see their families as struggling in this valley of tears in order to be reunited, as families in that celestial home for which families are brought into this world. They must live nothing less than martyrs' lives in giving witness. That's what the word martyr means, beloved. It means witness. They must live nothing less than martyrs' lives, giving witness to their love for God. They are not only accept, they not only accept the children God sends them, but they inspire these children with the meaning of true love, which is a life of self-sacrifice, inspired by the God who became man to die on the cross out of love for us. Beloved, if you say, Mother, what you're reading is for saints. We're not saints. Oh, yes, you are. You became saints at your baptism. A saint, to be a saint, does not mean that you are holy and perfect. It means that you are consecrated, which means you are set apart for God. That happens at your baptism and is true the rest of your life. You are set apart for God. There's no way to heaven apart from suffering, apart from the cross. There's no way. And if you refuse God's design... If you refuse the teaching of his church, you have refused God. You have turned your back on God. You say, come on, God is loving. He's not. That's right, he's loving. That's why he sent his son to die in our stead so that heaven would be open for us. But you refuse heaven when you refuse God and his word and the teaching of his church. You have refused heaven and chosen hell. God has given us free will. The truth sets you free, free from death and hell and Satan, to follow God, only to follow God. If we are not free to follow God, we're not free to not follow him. We have a choice. Beloved, 
if you're living in sin, if you're contracepting, if you're living in any other sin, you need to repent before you go to sleep tonight because you do not know that you have tomorrow. And if you wake up apart from repentance, you will wake up in hell. We'll be right back after the break. This is Franciscan Media's Saint of the Day for September 21st. Today, we celebrate St. Matthew. What an unlikely character Matthew was to be called by Jesus, a Jew who collected taxes from his fellow Jews on behalf of the occupying Roman forces. Matthew would probably have been roundly disliked, if not hated. It would not be surprising, then, if people were shocked to hear Jesus call such a man to be one of his intimate followers. But that is precisely what Jesus did. We read in both Mark's and Luke's gospel that Jesus saw a local tax collector, we believe this to be Matthew, and uttered the life-altering invitation, follow me. Tradition also recognizes Matthew as one of the four evangelists. In telling the story of Jesus, the first gospel focuses on the demands of Christian discipleship, but also assures his readers that the risen Jesus remains with the church following his death and resurrection. We can take heart that from such an unlikely situation, Jesus chose one of the foundations of the church. He chose a man whom many thought not holy enough to be a close associate of the Messiah. But Matthew was one of the sinners Jesus came to call, just as he calls all of us. There's more about the saints along with inspiration and Catholic resources at our website, saintoftheday.org. From Franciscan Media, this has been Saint of the Day. I didn't take my faith seriously, which, which probably means I, I never really got it to begin with. No, I didn't want to give up sin. I mean, the reason we sin is because sin is fun. But it's, it's self-love sin. But it's amazing with God's grace how easy trying to not sin it really is. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, dear ones, to Mother Miriam Live. I am live and we are here, and I'm thrilled, and we have a full half hour all to yourselves, my favorite part of the program. You can call in with anything whatsoever on your heart, toll-free or text at one 511 5483 or email at mother at com. Two announcements first, as I made yesterday. First one is from LifeSite News. Um, and again, I, I cannot... Um, more highly recommend two apostolates uh, as I can, Live Sight News and the Station of the Cross, not because I'm on both, um, but because it's because they're absolutely faithful uh, to the faith and uncompromising that I'm on both. Um, Live Sight says you know how important it is, and you do, and I do. 
Together, we know how important it is to get truthful and transparent news straight to your inbox and free from censorship. We know you want, Life Says Says, we know you want to be in the loop about what your children are learning in schools and how we must do everything we can to preserve our precious faith for our children and our children's children. That's why... I'm so pleased to share that LifeSite News has started a new initiative called 25 Years, A Legacy of Life, which exists to bring you fresh content, faith-filled news, and stories you can trust. Join LifeSite as they fight to preserve this legacy for the next 25 years. The next generation depends on it. We need to pass the baton. I'm adding my own words, beloved. We need to be grateful for all God has done for us. As bad as things are getting, we stick together. We who have the faith and we depend. I tell you, my number one source for news is LifeSite News. I depend on them, not just to give me the news that I otherwise wouldn't know. I have people all over, the staff all over the world. At the 25th anniversary gala, some of them met each other for the first time. It, all over the world, their staff, um, to give us the truth. And so... Um, we depend on not just getting the news from them, but getting the news that is true from them and true from a Catholic perspective. To me, their life site news is gold, beloved. Um, you can join this legacy today by visiting give.lifesitenews.com to make a donation. May God bless and love you. So we have between now and a week from now to join this um uh, 25 years a legacy of life in the next week beloved um, I would want to urge you to go to LifeSite News and give for the next tw- in the next week for the next 25 years and the other is that I announced yesterday it's still the case that uh, we need Daughters of Mary Mother of Israel's Hope I need to hire two people full time um, one uh, is a uh, someone that is very good with finance and uh, contact database and organization and data entry, um, depositing checks, all of that. They don't have to be a CPA, but uh, really very detail-oriented and efficient at it. Uh, Our contact database is Little Green Light. If anybody out there knows that program, that would save us tons of time in training them in, but it's not required. We do require for both of these jobs that you be local in Tyler. I had a wonderful email from a woman um, who I'd hire on the spot. Absolutely wonderful, but, um, but she's too far away. So you can work from home on this job, but you need to be local in Tyler so that we could, uh, you could be back and forth to the office, um, at least for the initial period of time. So, Um, I do ask that you're local. Again, you can work from home. And the second job is um, a very good assistant uh, for me personally uh, in in the um, administration of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. Um, You need to be a very experienced executive secretary administrator, those two things, executive secretary slash administrator, very organized, the self-starter, as they say, uh, mature, doesn't matter what your age is, but but quite mature. Um, 
and uh, writing letters and emails and all of that. So um, if you wish to apply, just go to motherofisraelshope.org, click on contact, and you can email us. The email address is mail, M-A-I-L, at motherofisraelshope.org. And our new address is up on the website as well, our new address in Tyler. We don't have internet or phone lines right now, and so that email address is the only way to reach us, mail at motherofisraelshope.org. We have email, but not right in the house because, where we live, um, because the lines are not out there yet. Um, and I don't have a phone number to give out of our community. Um, the only one we have is my cell phone oh, and, and a couple of other cell phones, but we don't want to give cell phone numbers out. So um, the email address is, is the best way to reach us. And that includes if you wish to uh, inquire about a vocation with us. Also, um, if you're over 18, we would love to hear from you. Okay, we have an email um, uh, from Michael. No, 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 hold on. Uh, Michael, I've got your email, dear one. You're talking about Catherine Emmerich, and I need to read that before I respond to your email. So we'll go to Christopher. Christopher writes, many thanks for all you do, Mother, especially for someone like me who is culturally Jewish. My mother was baptized and received into the church, and you were part of helping her on her way. You're a real gem. Oh, that just lights up my heart, Christopher. Christopher, now you say you're local, you're culturally Jewish, um, but I'm guessing you've also become Catholic, uh, so that you're culturally a, a Jewish Catholic. I hope that's the case. Um, Christopher says, my question is vaccine-related. Do you personally avoid close contact with folks who have been vaccinated? I have not heard a lot in the past year or so about concerns in this regard, and it's weighing heavily on some of our relationships. Any guidance would be dearly appreciated. Thanks, and God bless, Christopher. No, Christopher, I don't even think of it. I don't even ask people if they're vaccinated or not. Um, unless there's a reason to talk about the vaccine and ask them. No, if someone's vaccinated, we come across people all the time who are vaccinated. It's, it's just not an issue. I don't, I don't uh, believe that the, what the vaccine has done internally to a person uh, can be transmitted to somebody else. I, I've never heard anything like that. It's just not an issue. We have an email from Ollie, A-L-L-I-E, Ollie, who writes, Dear Mother, I'm a high school senior going to a small Catholic school that was founded upon traditional values just recently in 2019. One of those traditional values is the requirement that students attend daily Mass before school officially begins. The school used to be located across the street from a Catholic church where Mass was held every day in order to incorporate this. The school outgrew the space available last year, which led to a relocation. Now, the school is located inside of a Protestant building. I'm sorry to hear that. Now, the school is located inside of a Protestant building where all of our rooms are rented out. Due to this sharing of space that we, do, that we do with the other church, we do not have any sort of chapel space anymore. The solution to this problem was to set up and take down the chapel space daily instead. Thus, the tabernacle, 
with the host of Christ inside is being stored inside the teacher's lounge in a safe instead. And this is for the majority of the time. This is horrifying. This is horrifying. Ali says, I feel like this is an issue on the part of the school. I was, it's also, it's an issue on the part of your priest, not the part of the Protestant school, it's the Catholic school that's doing this. I was wondering if you feel that this is a little bit wrong. I feel it's a lot wrong. If you do, what would you do in this situation? A little note, I am not the only student that feels there is a problem here. Thanks, Ollie. Very good. I hope you've gone to the teacher. I hope you've gone to the principal. I hope you've gone to the priest. This is not good. You don't store our Lord in a safe in the teacher's lounge in a Protestant school. Because everybody should bow to that safe. And none of those Protestants would do that. No way on earth. This is a terrible solution to growth. The enemy would have you grow so large that Christ is put out into and, and treated so irreverently. No way. I would want to ask if you cannot return to the place that you had before across from the Catholic Church and rent a trailer. You, you can rent a trailer and put 40 desks in there or whatever you need. Just as when monasteries are being built, they have trailers on their property until the houses are being built. So raise money, build a school, but get trailers uh, next to the building or on the church property until you have more room uh, in the school, in where you are holding school. Um, I would do whatever you can to not lock our Lord in a, um, a safe, in an environment that thinks worshiping him is idolatry. This is truly awful, Ali. Go to your priest. Go to the priest. Go to the principal. We have an email from Matthew. Matthew says, hello, mother. I'm 17 years old. I have a friend from school who thinks he's a woman. He dresses like a woman attempts to talk like one, and even changed his name to sound more feminine. His mental state, as I am sure you can imagine, is not good. Although we are only friends from school, I feel that I need to help him. You do. If you're friends, you do need to help him, Matthew. But I do not want him to stop talking to me or worse, to hurt himself. Do you have any idea what you would do in my situation? Thank you. God bless Matthew. Matthew, um, I think the first thing I would do is call Courage, which is a, as far as I know, still a thoroughly Catholic apostolate to those who are homosexual or uh, those who want to get out of a homosexual lifestyle, one or the other or both. I would call them and um, tell them about your friend and tell them that you want to approach him uh, respectfully, very, very gently, that you don't scare him or frighten him or have him shut himself off because he is um, 
mentally and emotionally in anguish and talk to them and say, do you have a book, a resource, something that I could help him with? And if you can get that, which you can, then, Matthew, I would go to your dear friend and say, um, whatever he calls himself, if he calls himself Julie, say, Julie, um, I, I really care about you. Would you come out and have a drink of soda with me or let's go walk in the park? I really want to talk to you. And what I want to talk to you about is your chosen lifestyle. I want to be honest with you and upfront. Um, it's not my opinion. I'm not against you. I'm a Catholic. I love you. I believe Christ loves you, and he died for you. But I think the enemy has you on the wrong track. Would you give me a few minutes for me to give you my heart and um, just ask God if, if he would want to help you through this? All right, be very gentle with him, but get a good resource first and read it yourself to make sure it's what you want to give to your friend. Matthew, God bless you. And I'm going to ask all of our readers, all of our listeners to pray for Matthew and his friend that our Blessed Mother and our Lord will jump into that conversation and into that friend's heart and uh, convert him. We'll be right back after the break. This is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. The book of Esther does not mention the words God, Lord, Savior, sin, salvation, heaven, or hell. Are you sure it should be in the Bible? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a promise. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. Those early church fathers, popes, bishops, synods, and councils were under the influence of the Holy Spirit. They discerned which writing should or should not be in the Bible. That promise was fulfilled. Secondly, for a writing to be understood as divinely inspired and worthy of canonicity, it did not have to contain any theological explanations. And thirdly, a tough comeback. Oftentimes we deceive ourselves with wanting to trust that very contemporary and subjective term called the inner witness. Our own arrogance blinds us. The emotion of feeling is as dangerous as standing at the edge of a jagged cliff. On a religious feeling, don't evaluate passionate testimonies, promulgated truths, or prophetic texts. That four-letter word, feel, will get you every time. Join the Station of the Cross every Saturday morning at 9 after the 8 a.m. Holy Mass and Sunday afternoons at 2 for a teaching episode on the Catechism of the Catholic Church. You'll learn the essential and fundamental content of our Catholic faith and morals in a complete and concise way with clarity and charity. That's Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday afternoons at 2 here on the Station of the Cross, Catholic Media Network, and the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. You can listen to any of our network-produced programs at your convenience, wherever you enjoy podcasts. Hear a powerful sermon you need to share with a loved one? Maybe there's a guest or teaching segment that deserves another listen. You can find all of our shows on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, our website, and the free iCatholic Radio app. Be uplifted in your faith. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. 
Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live. I am live and I'm thrilled to be with you. We have 10 minutes uh, more to our program. And again, that's plenty of time for you to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free, 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the com. We have a message from Facebook from Patricia who says, Dear Mother Miriam, please kindly pray for me as I am discerning to found a traditional religious community for women dedicated to the chaste heart of St. Joseph in Nigeria. That's wonderful. I want to ask for your advice and help on the foundation of a religious community. Thank you, and may God continue to sanctify and strengthen you and your daughters. Well, dear one, if you have a good bishop, uh, and even if not, the first thing to do would be to go to your bishop and tell him you'd like to do this. Um, Or even before then, if you wish... I would say gather a few women uh, who want to be part of this and put a charism together, uh, decide what rule you want to follow, if it's Carmelite, Benedictine, Franciscan, that sort of thing. Decide on a rule, decide on a charism dedicated to the chaste heart of St. Joseph in Nigeria. What will be your primary work or will it be cloistered? Uh, Put that together Get a few women who you could impart your... If God is calling you to do this, then God has imparted a charism to you, and you need to impart that to the women who might want to be with you in, in forming this. And then I would say begin to pray together. Live together. If you can, if you cannot live together, um, then at least come together weekly and pray together and study together and form this together, maybe for a minimum of six months or more. And if it looks like God may want this to happen, uh, because at that point you'll be a faithful association, uh, rather a private association, the faithful, and any group of Catholics can get together and do whatever they wish, so without any authority. So you'll be a private association, the faithful, and if it looks like you have women that want to be with you and they're mature and they're good and you have a rule and you know where you're going, you, you, what you want to do, um, then the next step would be to go to your bishop and tell him this, And what the church's documents say is that um, he can give you permission and say, okay, go do what you want under his um, a a, a bit of a distant watch that he could see and report back to him in six months, that he could see and begin to discern if it's a work of the Holy Spirit, Um, following which he may give you permission to begin to be formed. until you can become a public association, the faithful. All that said, and there's plenty of documents online on the development of a um, a religious order. Um, I was given Emilio Gambari instruction on the development of religious order, but the church has changed its requirements since then. And Pope Francis has forbidden the beginning of any new religious communities that are not approved by Rome. So apparently the bishop has to have it approved by Rome. 
um, before then, it didn't have to be approved by Rome, not in the beginning, not as a private association, not as a public association. Um, even an institute of diocesan right was under the bishop. So, um, but things have changed, so your bishop may not want to, to approve you're doing anything. So take all that into consideration. If it's of God, it will happen. If it is of God, Patricia, it will happen. We have a Facebook message also from Dee who says, Hello, Mother. I love listening to your show and find your voice very soothing. I'm so glad for that, Dee. I listen to my voice sometimes and I say, How can people listen to that? We don't hear ourselves in our heads as other people hear us. So I'm glad it's okay. She says, I'm a convert and I have a question about tithing that I'm hoping you can help me with. I know that the Bible instructs us to tithe. My question is, do we need to give our tithe to our local church, or does giving to others in need count? Thank you so much. Um, D, um, uh, giving to others counts as a tithe, there's no question, but our first priority is to our local church always. So tithing, um, many people feel, is 10% of our income, but if you give 10%, it's 10% of your gross, not your net, not what you have over, but what you receive uh, as gross. And it doesn't have to be 10%. If you look at the Old Testament, um, Abraham gave 10%, but also in the Jewish uh, laws, the Jewish people wound up giving actually 30%. But if you tithe, um, your absolute first priority is to your local church. So if you tithe, let's say, 10%, I'd give a minimum of half of that to your local church, and you can give half to other um, um, apostolates or to people in need as well. Um, we have a Facebook message also from Helen who says, Mother Miriam, God bless you and thank you. Thank God for you. We don't hear enough truth these days. Thanks, Helen. I viewed a video of you saying it is sacrilege to receive in the hands, communion in the hands. I am on the verge of tears because since COVID, I have been doing this because before Mass, there is always an announcement that it must be received in the hands. Well, shame on your priest and on your bishop. Communion should not be received in, in the hands, and the church's norm is on the tongue. It has never uh, taken that away. The norm is on the tongue with permission on the hands. I do believe it's a sacrilege. Um, nothing should touch that host but the consecrated hands of a priest, not a so-called Eucharistic minister or not your hands. Um, but I didn't say it was sin. I said it's a sacrilege. Um, and um, uh, let me see, just see for a second. Um, so Helen says, all this time I have grievously sinned. I cannot stop thinking about it. I'm so upset. I have a hard time loving the Lord. Is it a sin if we did not know it? It's a sacrilege whether we know it or not. Um, I believe sacrilege is sin, but you're not accountable for that. We sin all the time, or not all the time, but a lot, and we don't know it, so you're not accountable for it. Um, every day at the beginning of Mass, when we say the confiteor, when we say the confession for our sins, we are forgiven 
by the priest for all our sins, all our into everything, venial, intentional, and unintentional sins every single time except mortal sin, which must be forgiven directly by a priest. So um, you haven't grievously sinned. You've, you have entered into something that is sin because it's sacrilege. But I don't believe God would hold you accountable for it if you don't know um, at all. Um, uh, she said, if we, if, is it a sin if we do not know it? Sin is sin whether we know it or not. I just want to make that clear. Back in Israel, Yom Kippur, the highest holy day of the year, when Aaron, the high priest of Israel, went and it made atonement for the entire sins of the nation, he made atonement for the unintentional sins of the nation, and they fasted and prayed. But the individual sins, they had to come before a priest and bring a lamb, a goat, or whatever the, the requirement for sin was. So, yes, unintentional sins are committed, and most of us don't even know what we're doing half the time. But it remains a sin. But our accountability is the issue. So, Helen, dear, I don't believe you're accountable for that when you don't know it. Helen says, God bless and thank you. I cherish having found you since back in the EWTN days. Thanks so much, Helen. I'm so glad that we're together now again. And now that you know that it's a sacrilege, you can go and say, I, I received in my hands. I did not know it was a sacrilege. If I've committed any sin against God, I repent of that. Okay, God bless you all. And God willing, we'll be with you tomorrow.